Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a weekly podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Cheer. Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome to all of you. This week finds me feeling rather sick, to be honest, and I do apologise for um, any coughing that might happen. I've sucked on a whole lot of um, throat lozenges and I'm hoping to get through this, but um, I'll edit out the worst of it for you. Um, When I'm sick, I find that what I enjoy best is stories. And because I don't really have anybody in my life to tell me stories... Um, when I'm sick, I think what I'll do is I'll tell you one instead. Um, the Māori word for speak is korero, and it's not really surprising to me to find that the word for story is korero, spelt exactly the same, but the macron over the O tells us to hold the sound of the first O more. A subtle difference telling us a lot about how old stories were passed down. As Māori didn't have a written language until the British helped create it, everything was passed down verbally. So, that makes sense. Um, so which story to tell? <coughs> I've decided on the first one. Um, every culture has a creation story about how the world came to be and how people came to exist, and Māori mythology is no different. So... Settle in while I tell you what they believe. Treasures from the Vault The supreme being, Isle, created the universe out of nothing. In the nothingness, or te kore, was the long dark night, or te po, and Isle filled it with the two primordial gods he created, Ranganui, Sky Father, and Papatuanuku, Earth Mother. Ranganui and Papatuanuku were formed cleaved together in a loving embrace, and in this love they made six children who were born between them. Where they lived was like cramped and dark, and it was a gross place, as their parents blocked out all the light and squeezed the space tight with their embrace towards each other. So their children were forced to live in darkness and soon became pretty restless. And a speck of light seen beyond their parents at one point in time started a discussion about how to get themselves out. An argument broke out about their options. The fierce of the children, Tumatuenga, um, or God of War or Hunting, and also God of Humans, although not at this point in the story, said that, we should kill our parents in order to free ourselves. And Tane Mahuta, god of forests and birds, said, no, no, we must separate them from each other so that we can live between. And Tafiri Matia, or god of weather, pleaded, no, no, please let our parents stay together. Not only was he a defender of their love, but he was also a little worried that as his kingdom is one of winds and storms and stuff, that he would be overthrown in his parents' separation. The three remaining gods, Tangaroa, the god of the sea, Rongo, god of peace and cultivated crops, and twin brother, Haumia, uh, the god of wild plants, all voted for the separation of their parents despite Tafiri Matia's protests, and it was decided. The children, um, Tamariki, 
um, start to try and divide their parents, but it was a lot harder to do than they thought. And they struggled, pushing with all of their might against their crying parents who were desperately clinging to each other. Tane, or Tane Mahuta, but Tane for short, placed his shoulders on Papatuanuku and his feet against Ranganui and heaved. Soon, and yet not soon, because time is vast, and the sky and earth began to yield. They cried out for their children to stop, and they began to bleed red all over the ground as the light pierced the darkness and they created the sacred red ochre earth as their blood spilled on taumatoenga and the ground they wept tears at being parted the whakatauki ke te hika nai roimata o ranganui or the tears of ranganui are falling is said when it's raining as these are Ranganui's tears about being separated from his love, Papatuanuku. With the sky and earth parted, the Tamariki are able to live in the light. And we meet Urutinanya, God of Light, who has many children, including the sun, the moon, and all the stars in the sky, but all is not well yet. Seeing his parents cry and being angry at their separation, which he was so against, Tafiri Matia grows wild with rage. He attacked his brothers relentlessly. Firstly, though, he flew up to his father, Ranganui, in the, ground, in the sky and um, asked for his help in revenge against his brothers. And he was granted the many powers of the sky, like the clouds and the um, storms and tempests and... Um, cyclones and hurricanes and all of these things and he used them in his fight against his brothers um while he was doing this tane saw his mother's great sadness and turned her face downwards so that she could no longer see ranganui in the sky and he clothed her back in beautiful trees and this lessened ranganui's tears as well um as he could not see her face and so his tears stopped falling upon her um, and they created the dewdrops that form in the night on her back as his tears lessened from storms to slight rain. Um, Tafiri Matia blamed Tane for their parting the most, um, as he was the one who managed to push them apart. And he started his revenge on his brothers by destroying these forests of Tane Mahuta that he had created uh, upon his mother's back and driving him into hiding amongst the trees. Next, he attacked the kingdom of Tangaroa, creating huge waves and storms in the ocean and creating panic for all the creatures within. The many creatures of Tangaroa fled the sea in, in fear, basically, um, for the safety of Tanemahuta and the land. And so some of the sea creatures left to be on land permanently and Tangaroa has never forgiven Tane for this and is at war constantly trying to take Tane and his land down into the sea again. Um, after such rage he turned and we're talking about Tarefitima uh, oh my god um, we're talking about turned his attention to chasing the twins Rongo and Haumia but their mother 
Papa Tuanuku loved her children still despite everything and hid them deep within herself, although they still fearfully bend to their brother's howling winds in nature today. Also deep in Papa Tuanuku is the youngest child who had not actually yet been born when they were separated, Ruao Moko, god of earthquakes and his unhappiness in never being born shows itself through the geological and geothermal activity. His name also means the trembling current that scars the earth. And Ruao Moko is also the source of the art of Moko, which is the facial tattoos of Maori culture, another scar of another earth, which I'll explain in soon. Um, finally, unable to reach the twins, he began to fight the god of war. Tumatauinga dug his heels in to the earth and was not affected by the storms. He cast spells um, which turned the storms into gentle weather that was suitable for people. But neither brother could really win against the other. Um, they were kind of at a stalemate, so Tafiri Matia slowly withdrew. In his anger of not being able to feed his brothers, he gouged out his own eyes and threw them into the sky, where they became the stars of Matariki, Naumata o Te Ariki o Tafiri Matia, or the eyes of the god Tafiri Matia. He lives with his father above now, and blind, he feels his way around the world using the forces of nature. So, Urutenanyanya was the one to mention that the world was missing something fairly crucial and urged his siblings to find the female element, or Ira Tangata, in order to be able to create women. Tane searched all over to find this Ira Tangata, and unsuccessful, he asked his mother, who took pity on him and tells him of the red ochre created when they were separated, when their blood spilled on the ground earlier. So he takes this red earth and his siblings use it to form a body, a shape of a body, and then they add flesh and fat and muscles and blood, and then Tane takes this earthen form and breathes life into the form of Hine Aho One, or the earth-formed maiden. She was the first human created, and she was able to create others with her ability to create life within herself. So, uh, one of the very few cultures where um, the female was created first, which I find really interesting. Um, to punish his brothers for cowardice, Tumatauinga uh, invented the arts of hunting and woodcutting and agriculture and cooking and fishing, basically to piss his brothers off because in, a, in doing that, humans were able to take from each kingdom to sustain themselves and annoy each of the gods of all of these kingdoms. So um, he kind of helped us tame the gods in some kind of ways for us to be able to use the world around us. So that's the Maori mythology around the creation of the world and humans and I think it's beautiful and encompasses many more scientific things like erosion and the way morning dew works in a tragic love story which I adore because I'm a secret romantic. 
um, I hope you liked the story. <laughs>
I'm sorry, Colin. I was a bit ranty McRanty pants in my last episode, and I hope you did feel cheered up and not sadder. Ooh, sorry. Over here, November actually usually makes me happy as the weather is changing to bright and sunny and I start getting ready for Christmas, which is my favorite time of the year. So you should probably just move over here and you'd have a giant smile, you know? Um, next is Laren talking about catching up on the last few episodes. Take it away, Laren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Hey Jules, it's Laren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Oh my gosh, seriously, you guys are so progressive. That is crazy about the birth control and about the ads for sanitary pads. I love it, that's so amazing. I have to tell you, I can't imagine that happening here in the US where all the men would go, oh my God. No, not all of them, I'm sorry, that was rude. But you know what I mean. They're not nearly as, let's say, um, progressive and open-minded about the fact that their baby factories need sanitary pads and and should have a choice about whether they're manufacturing babies. Anyway, <laughs> I really loved that part of your episode. Okay, back to listening. I'm catching up. Hey Jules, Laren again. I loved that episode. That was so cool. I have another one too. I'm always excited. As much as I hate getting behind, it's always good to have two in a row. Anyway, you asked for favorite Halloween movies. This is going to sound really silly considering that I'm a 50-year-old woman. But the movie I love to watch with my granddaughter this time of year is Coco. It's a cartoon about the Day of the Dead. And I love it. I love the theme of it, of remembering your ancestors. And, I, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. But I just, I really love that movie. So uh, we watched it with her this year. It's wonderful. I enjoyed it very much. I'm not big on horror movies, but I love ghost stories. And there was a ghost story that Kate Beckinsale did that I never remember the name of. Isn't that terrible? I love it, but I never remember the name of it. I want to say it's just called The Haunting, but I'm probably wrong. But that's my favorite adult one. So anyway, thanks for a great episode. Yeah, I, I love how New Zealand is progressive in a lot of ways and it is super awesome that we are allowing people to control their own bodies. I think that's great. There's a lot of laws being talked about right now in New Zealand about a lot of freedoms that we have, um, including a euthanasia bill, which is literally being discussed right now. So that'll be interesting to see what happens actually. So I'll keep you posted as all of that occurs. And I love Coco. Um, you reminded me of the movie, and I need to find it. I looked on Netflix, and sadly, it's not on here in NZ, which is so frustrating. And neither is Haunted, which is a ghost story with Kate Beckinsale in it. So that might be the one you mean. Um, I looked it up in my brain because I was like, yes, I've seen that, and I agree. It's good watching, and I haven't seen it forever. Again, not on Netflix, annoyingly. But, you know, whatever. Moving on, bloody Netflix. Um, oh look, it's Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands. I wonder what he has to say. Kia Jules. Spencer here. Hope you're well. Very interested to hear your thoughts regarding Guy Fawkes. I didn't realise it was such a big thing over there in NZ. And um, I don't know whether it's the fact that I'm an old fella who's, who's increasingly out of touch. But it seems the whole Guy Fawkes aspect of the celebration is almost non-existent now. I mean, the the celebration itself is 
more commonly referred to as bonfire night and um, in fact the whole bonfire aspect seems to not be as uh, prevalent it's much more about going to organized displays than uh, you know or maybe getting a little box of fireworks and letting them off in your garden but um, yeah it's just interesting how that seems to have changed I don't know whether it's the same over there I completely agree. We've lost this reason for the season and are left with idiots firing fireworks into people and property. There were dead animals, burnt houses and several smashed windscreens with fireworks remains inside the car after our weekend and that was just, you know, locally that I know about. So honestly, it makes me cross that we still allow these idiots to get their hands on something so dangerous with zero controls. But whatever, what do I know? Just a big old fun killer, according to some of my friends. Grrr, is what I have to say to that. Speaking of being a fun killer, that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed the first of many Māori mythology stories. I'm looking forward to sharing more of them with you in the future. It was really hard to choose this week's song to go with the episode as I wanted a song of the gods of Māori mythology and there are a few. Um, my favourites are the beautiful and sweet tune Tangaroa by Maisie Rika and Tangaroa by Tiki Tane, which is like a club hopping favourite, but I went with something a bit different from my usual song this week. Kai Tangata is by Alien Weaponry, uh, who is a New Zealand like thrash metal band. Um, the title literally translates to eat people and refers to the ancient Māori tradition of eating the flesh of their enemies after battle in order to insult them. Yep, cannibalism. It's also an ancient term for a war party. Uh, also, just a note. And it actually is from their album called Two in reference to to Matoenga, the god of war. In the song's video, they recreate the memory of the 19th century musket wars where Napuhi tribes with their new muskets decimated the Dijon brothers of the band, their ancestral land, who the people there were still using traditional weaponry. It's a grisly video and it's full of subtle nods to the cannibalism that happened, but it's also full of historical representation of battle back then, set to an epic trash track. So I fully recommend going and watching the clip and giving that a like. And the band does recognise that the video is a bit full on and they aren't exactly proud of the history as such. It's kind of a weird way to feel about things. You're like proud but not proud. You accept that it's your history and that we must own it in order to move on from it. That is kind of how we feel about it. Um, and with that, it's time for me to move on and for you on Anchor to enjoy this snip of awesome music. And as always, for the rest of you listening, to go elsewhere and check out my playlist on Spotify and give it a follow to catch my very varied favourites of New Zealand music. If you've enjoyed listening to... Um, Jules from NZ, please give the show a review on your platform of choice. It all helps. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all under J U L Z B U R G I S E R. Yes, that's Jules. Can I have a burger, sir? Um, in Nohora, 
Kakite ano, and be well out there, folks, because there's some bugs going around. Take care of yourself. Bye!